Hey, garden friends. It's pretty nice. Actually, not too muggy Thursday morning. Last week we had that wonderful dry heat and then the humidity returned and it's been pretty brutal. But this morning doesn't look too bad. I see my uh, a dear friend here walking across the backyard. She or he hasn't seen me yet. Oh no, sees me now. Uh, and they're kind of the subject of uh, a big chunk of this podcast today, <laughs> at least part of it. So I guess I'll just launch right into them. They are on my four-letter word list um, this year. They're always on my list, but this year they've been, their behavior has changed a little bit. They're eating my salvia, and they never eat salvia. It's been my mainstay plant, like... I can plant salvia and they're not going to eat it. And uh, that's not been the case. They've been nibbling and munching through that. And I think I talked about one, in one of my early episodes that they seem to, we haven't had a lot of deer issues early on, but that's that's changing. That is definitely changing. I don't know um, if it's a weather pattern that we haven't had a lot of rain recently, if they're just like moving on from different nutrients that they're looking for now that it's warmer. Uh, a lot of the mothers had uh, fawns recently in the last two or three weeks. So I don't know if that's changing, but they're visiting more. I Every time I walk through the, by the front door or our front window and our stairs and I look out the window and I see a deer, I open the door and run out and try to scare them off. Um, it's very, very irritating. They're just driving me insane. And... I, I get actually kind of depressed about it sometimes because I look at these beautiful gardens people have and I'm like, you have a fence, you don't have deer. Look how lush your garden is. <laughs> I would love to have that. I would love to be able to grow plants and not have deer devouring them as soon as they start growing or, you know, get a plant that I think is going to be deer resistant or proof and then them proving me completely wrong. And, you know, it's, it's just entirely frustrating. And I know, I know people in the Northeast, you know, or areas with high deer predation, you know, especially like forest, forested lands, they'll do deer exclusion fences. And you just see what kind of plants come back when the deer aren't there. And I'm just like so close to wanting to put up a deer exclusion fence around my yard. And it's not that I don't love them. I, you know, this one walking across my backyard very lovely it's just browsing on some grass if it did that <laughs> if they would only do that I would be happier but they don't so I'm I'm very frustrated this is gonna be a constant frustration here until until this area gets developed so much that the deer just lose habitat but I don't think that's gonna happen because people feed them and there's no hunting inside the city limits here not that that doesn't deter people because deer have been shot here, but um, it's just, it is so frustrating and disheartening. The other animal on my four letter word list is birds, particularly I think cardinals. <laughs> uh, I've never really had problems with birds and my tomatoes until I think I had a little bit of a problem last year, but mm, they're coming in this year. As soon as my tomatoes start ripening, I'm getting peck marks, and I have two really nice tomatoes, or big, huge ones. I think one is probably a black creme, 
And then the other is a Oaxacan pink. And they were gorgeous. I was looking forward to them. But they're packed up pretty bad. I'm gonna s I brought them in to see if they would finish ripening. It's kind of rotting on the one end where they were packed. So I don't know if I'm going to end up getting to eat them or not. If anything, I'll just save the seeds. Um, but they're starting to do it for others. So I'm probably going to have to start... I would prefer ripening tomatoes on the vine, but I think I'm going to have to start harvesting them as soon as they look like they're about to turn because of the birds. And I know I, I, I could put coverings on them. I'm not going to do that. I just, I'm not going anywhere to go find uh, mesh or anything like that right now to do that. But I'm going to keep it in mind for next year. I may have to do that. So birds pissing me off too. Um, dear birds, i just so irritated right now. On the whole, everything is looking good. I am, I'm actually very happy with kind of this lack of rain recently, knock on wood. I would, I would like a balance between no rain and rain. <laughs> um, so the edible garden last year, I'm sorry, I'm going about five different ways here because I'm thinking about five different things. Last summer, I solarized our garden paths because I had such a weed problem from the summer of 2015 after I had my son we really didn't do anything in the edible garden we let the weeds take over and the phyllanthus urinaria uh, the chamber bitter just took over I didn't know what it was at that time and now I realize how nasty of a weed that is if you see that in your garden pull it up as soon as you see like the minuscule little cotyledons coming up it's horrible so I've been fighting that for five years. And so and the paths were one of the worst spots. In the beds that don't get tilled, the chamber bitter is not nearly as bad in the beds. Beds that get tilled, that it, it can be pretty bad because you're just pulling up all those seeds. And in the paths, they, they were just constantly we were constantly working on them and pulling things up and re and bringing new mulch in. They, they were the worst because that's where they grew to begin with. And so solarize those paths. And there is a noticeable difference. There's still, you know, some plants coming up. I knew I didn't kill every weed seed, obviously. So I'm still dealing with that. Oh, break here for a second. There's a hummingbird getting nectar on the gardenia. There's not many gardenia flowers left, but this one is a couple on there. And this hummingbird's over there. So that's pretty nice. Anyway, okay, back to dumb weeds. And so the combination of not having our, our watering system on in the edible garden this summer has helped also, I think, keep that down a little bit. Oh, there's two hummingbirds. That's cool. And also I've been home, so I've been able to spend more time out there just trying to keep on top of the weeds. And so right now... Things are looking good. Obviously, if the weather pattern changes, we get lots of rain. That's going to be a little different. I don't know what, what's going to germinate. But I do feel like the solarization was very helpful, at least. Now, hopefully, I will be able to, in the next year or two, to kind of keep on top of those weeds. Maybe I'll be able to reduce the amount of, of, of that plant out there. I am noticing it coming into our flower garden more this year, too. I don't know if it's coming in with the mulch or if it's just naturally just... The transition of, of plants from one area to the other in the yard. It is a plant that is spreading in the Houston area. I see it on in natural places. So I would not... Ex it's, it's, 
it wouldn't be unexpected for it to be coming in with mulch when we get mulch. So if it is not horrible in our flower garden yet, I don't want it to become horrible. So that's, that's a plant I'm dealing with. I'm sure you have plants similar to this wherever you're located at. It's just a matter of being vigilant and staying on top of it. And, and it's kind of hard sometimes when you life gets busy. So that's my weed update at the moment. The edible garden is looking good. I am starting to get tons of beans. I actually just blanched and froze my first set of beans. I have cow peas that are starting to come in ready. I need to go out and see what's what's going to be ready. I hope I have, I have a few that are frozen from last year. I'm hoping I'll be able to get a couple bags worth of black eyed peas this year and or eat them fr fresh. Uh, I have a really dumb thing I did with the pumpkins. Uh, so I mentioned, I think last week, that I had two pumpkins that ended up not being fertilized or rotted on the vine or what. I, they were small, like I said, not big. But I got two more, and they were looking really good. Um, and then one of them I noticed was kind of trying to, was bending the vine a little bit. So I really honestly needed to look for something to to sling it up, to hold it up. And I knew this would happen because I was growing the pumpkins on a trellis instead of on the ground. And I was like, thought, well, maybe I'll just kind of tilt it and let it rest on the trellis a little bit. Well, that was very dumb because I cracked the stem and at first I thought well maybe maybe I can wrap the stem maybe it's salvageable but I just it was too far gone I ended up so mad at myself because this was probably a couple of pounds already little pumpkin growing and so I, t I just cut it off so I lost that one I'm very very mad but I do have two more coming on. I should have more. It's going to be more this summer. But I was just very irritated with myself for being so stupid with that. Um, oh, I've got sunflowers that are starting to bloom. Those are also in the <laughs> garden enclosure area. And cucumbers. I'm, I'm going to have to pickle. We have pickles from a couple years ago in the fridge. We have a secondary fridge that we just don't eat. I, I kind of went went through a non-pickle spell for a while and I need to clean those out and get ready because I'm about to have pickle city going on. <laughs> um, I think those are the big things. Tomatoes, blackberries are winding down. There's a probably, I'll probably get a, another harvest or two out of them, but they're winding down as well. And after that, it's just mostly going to be letting the tomatoes ride out, you know, the next month or two, they're going to start looking really bad here. The bigger, the bigger plants are going to start looking really bad here in July. And some of the smaller plants, I'm going to see if I can get them to become fall tomato plants. I always try this and it never works, but I'm really going to try it on a couple more. I just, I'm not willing to give up on this mythical fall tomato in Texas thing yet. I just am holding fast to this idea. <laughs> Because so many people talk about it and a few people get it to work I just I'm gonna see I think because I have some smaller plants that haven't started thriving till just now I think they will start growing and by the time September comes around maybe I'll start getting blooms and, and a fall tomato around so but you know maybe if we'll have some more of these cool fronts come through again in the summer uh, where we can get some cooler nights to set flowers Maybe that'll keep me with a nice tomato garden all summer, but I know that's not going to happen. I'm just wishfully thinking here. 
And okay, I'm gonna wrap up because this is gonna get long again. On the potting bench, I think we mentioned last week that I that we're gonna working on trying to grow just our own milkweed patch. And so Chris has sown a lot of seeds, and so we have had a good six. Well, I'd say we've had a moderate success rate of germination over here. We've got uh, Asclepius verticillata, Asclepius viridis, Asclepius incarnata. Actually, I think Carnata has the most germination rate. A couple speciosa. The Perinus has not germinated, or the viridis has not either. Well, yeah, it's mostly the Perinus that has not germinated. A few viridis verticillatas. Um, so that's a good start. And I've got a few other things that are growing in the pot. Oh, yeah. A little experiment I did. Uh, some honey locust seeds. If you've ever seen a honey locust or a water locust, they have spines all up and down their trunk. They're just kind of a cool plant. And I, we were somewhere last winter and I collected some seed pods. And I was like, well, I'm just going to plant some to see. And finally, I got one plant that germinated. <laughs> Uh, I'll probably grow it out till it's a little bigger and see if somebody else wants it. My husband said he didn't want a honey locust in our yard, which I don't blame him, but uh, they're just kind of cool plants. So if you're in the Houston area and you're like, really want a different-ish plant, a honey locust would be something cool to add to your collection. I have a seedling and uh, just uh, email me, <laughs> let me know. Oh, I'm also looking at the plumeria seedlings I started last year. And we actually accidentally left a plumeria out over this winter, one of our big pots, and uh, it froze. And really, we try to put them in when it gets around 40 degrees because they don't like that kind of temperature at all. They don't even can't even handle that. So, uh, but yeah, this one got left out, and it and it froze. And at first, I thought it was gonna just die back to like maybe halfway down, but it died back all the way down. And I thought the whole thing was dead. I was about to go pull it out and take out the weeds that had grown in the pot and put in one of my little seedlings. And lo and behold, <laughs> it wasn't totally dead. It was sprouting up from the very, very bottom of the base of, uh, of the old stem and uh, so of the old trunk. And so that was kind of exciting to see that Oh my God, it survived. <laughs> I can't believe it. So I watered it good. I took all the weeds out and Apparently that plumeria is going to make it and someday I need to get some bigger pots for my other little seedlings and we'll go from there. Okay, uh, this is wrapping up to 15 minutes and again, I always have way more to say than these short little episodes, but I hope you guys are enjoying them. I, I Maybe we'll come up with something more more guidance based, I don't know how to based <laughs> at some point instead of just me rambling about my garden. Uh, if you have any opinions on what you would like to hear, you know, I'm not going to probably tell you how to grow tomatoes because those, that information is a dime or dozen, but maybe there's something more natural history-ish you'd like to know or something native plant-ish you'd like to know um, that you would like me to share. You can email me, thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com. I haven't been very great about checking that email recently, but I will get back on that. And you can also DM me on Instagram at the Garden Path Podcast. And I'm going to say goodbye as another ruby-throated, probably one of the same ones, returns to this gardenia and is getting a little bit of the nectar that's left. Have a good weekend, y'all.